Welcome to Grand Turbo MoneyCast, where you will hear the answers to many of your investment questions. The material you are about to receive is neither a solicitation nor an offer to buy or sell any securities. Please remember, all investments bear risk. Now, on to our show featuring Gregory Anderson, CEO of Granderson Wealth Management Group in Denver. Hi. Once again, I have the privilege of sitting here with Gregory Anderson of Granderson Wealth Management Group in Denver. Um, we're going to be talking today about real estate and investing in real estate, so all the different ways. How are you today, Gregory? I'm doing great today, Steve. How about yourself? Good. You ready to talk about real estate? I sure it can am. Get a little complicated. Yes, <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, and. You know, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on today is how does investing in real estate differ, differ from stocks and bonds? What makes it uh, particularly attractive as an investment these days? Or maybe it's not. I don't know. You can let us know. How do you handle the different types of real estate investments? How do you handle the taxes? And don't let me forget, at the end of this podcast, Grand Turbo Moneycast, we're going to have an investment tip of the month. All righty. I'm ready. So, okay, great. So, uh, why is real estate a hot topic these days in the investment community? Well, coming off of 2021, real estate was one of the hottest industries uh, as far as investing. So, second to energy, over a 40% rate of return. And the opportunities continue to be very good in regards to real estate investment trusts, uh, placing those in retirement accounts or even in, in just in investment accounts themselves. But real estate is a great way to diversify portfolios. And we've talked about diversification in the mm-hmm. past. And real estate is not correlated with the rest of the markets, particularly with bonds and equities, so stocks particularly. So because of that uniqueness, it's a great way to diversify a portfolio in up markets or down markets. So real estate is a wonderful, wonderful way to diversify a portfolio because of its non-correlation. And when you say it's non-correlated, I think what you're saying is that there, quite often, real estate can go up when the stocks are going down, Correct. or when bonds are going down. Correct. And, the, um, and is that what we're seeing right now? Right now, we're seeing a lot of movement, the rotation from different industries moving into real estate, in fact. And it's because of the rates of returns. And if we just look over the last three, four years, Real estate is a great place to be. And if you look even longer, it's very, very uh, consistent with rates of returns and a great way to diversify your portfolio. I believe investors are trying to look at alternative ways of diversifying their portfolios, and real estate plays into that. Okay. Um, We should specify just right off the bat here for people who don't understand that, that there are basically two types of real estate investments. You have commercial and you have residential, right? Is Correct. I'm missing. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. And, and, and we're probably and we're and we're talking about domestic 
Correct. real estate investments. Well, and what's very unique about real estate investment trusts, because we'll talk a little bit about that, or REITs, you may heard heard that term yeah, as well. Yeah, we're going to get into REITs. Yes. <laughs> and it, with, with REITs, you can invest globally. So you do have the aspect of global. But for this conversation... We're talking about domestic real estate here in the United States, uh, commercial as well as residential. Can you talk about the characteristics of real estate investments vis-a-vis real estate, I mean, um, vis-a-vis stocks and bonds in terms of liquidity, um, volatility, average returns, and maybe even taxes? Absolutely. With real estate, you can actually buy real estate on the equity markets, uh, real estate investment trusts. Uh, Some are listed, some are non-listed, and then there's also private. But the characteristic of real estate is that you are, and I'm talking more along the lines of commercial real estate, is that you have an opportunity to receive passive income and that's in the form of lease payments. But the wonderful thing about commercial real estate is that there are many food groups, let's say. And what I mean by that is it could be office, it could be medical office, it could be industrial, it can be hospitality, as well as shopping centers. And not even, to mention residential, re- residential, multifamily, <laughs> yeah, right. and self storage is is a, another area. But there are very, it's a wide spectrum of real estate, commercial real estate. And then if you're talking about residential, it could be multifamily. So maybe a large apartment complex would be considered a real estate investment, or on the residential side, maybe on the individual side, if you're looking at single family homes or condominiums and um, even a fourplex or a eightplex um, type of apartment. And so that would be considered real estate as well. So I mentioned earlier commercial real estate, historical rates of return um, last year is up about 40%. Uh, 2020, we saw a significant decrease of about uh, 5%. But in generally, you can look at probably about an 8% rate of return with commercial real estate in the form of a real estate investment trust. So if we look in the Denver metropolitan area, we're looking at probably about 8%, 10% uh, increases in residential real estate. And so we know that there's a supply side uh, situation where there's a, um, not very many properties for sale. And that, of course, drives up the price if we're just looking at the Denver market, which is a very unique market. Mm. So it, even if you're <clears throat> wanting to buy a single family house to rent it out, it's, uh, that's a great investment. But if you want to play into the commercial market, and maybe you don't uh, want to buy a duplex or you don't want to buy a single family home, the Real Estate Investment Trust allows you to get that diversification for your overall portfolio. Okay. And I, I want to get, in a minute, I want to get into the other characteristics sure. that I mentioned, which is uh, liquidity and volatility, etc. But as long as we've kind of dichotomized this in terms of commercial and residential, 
um, do you have a focus? Do you have a preference? Do you, do you tend to be steering your clients in one direction or the other? For the simplicity of investing in real estate, the Real Estate Investment Trust is a great way to get that diversification. So it would be an exchange-traded fund or an ETF that would hold real estate and you have that uh, characteristics very similar to a mutual fund for a stock portfolio that's maybe concentrated in large cap stocks or maybe medium-sized companies. So it is uh, more specific in terms of medical buildings or hospitality, but I see the opportunities right now in office and multifamily, particularly multifamily. And one of the reasons being is individuals need a place to stay. And uh, there's currently a shortage and that causes the opportunity as far as appreciation for the real estate and increased lease payments, which come in the form of distributions in the real estate investment trust. So I I think that would probably be a great place to be. Uh, Places that we're shying away from tend to be more on the hospitality side and the shopping centers, but uh, the shopping centers are starting to come back. But right now, uh, of the food group, I would say that um, looking at office as well as uh, industrial would would also be a a great place as Mm -hmm. well. Okay. And you said, you mentioned the simplicity of a REIT. So what I'm thinking is um, I could probably make a phone call and say, I want X shares of a REIT and somebody pushes a button and I've got it. Correct. Trades where, just whereas, like a stock. Trades whereas just like if a I stock. want to actually buy some real estate, like a rental property, correct? That's there are a lot of complications, a huge amount of paperwork, if nothing else. Just <clears> like <throat> buying a home, uh, you're working with a realtor, working with a mortgage company, working with an appraiser, as well as an inspector of the property, and so it takes a little bit more time than just going to an advisor and saying. I want to diversify my portfolio with real estate. If I'm willing, I know we're really digressing. I'm going to get back to the That's whole right. issue of the characteristics of real estate, but I want to cover this one topic while we're on the, on it. If I do, if I'm willing to put in that time, you know, to do the paperwork, to get a realtor, to investigate the property, to sign all the documents, to get the loans, et cetera, et cetera, is there a payoff? Well. It is. You're intimately involved with the real estate. You know exactly what you're looking at. But that's the same thing with the real estate investment trust. You're relying on professionals. But if you're going to do it on your own, there's a lot more uh, time involved. And it, it um, it's very difficult at times to maybe find the right property. And uh, again, the timing is, uh, is the issue at, at hand. So there are advantages of maybe you're intimately familiar with a particular piece of property geographically. You think this is a great place to be. So yeah, there's there's definitely opportunities. And historically speaking, real estate is a great place to be as far as diversifying portfolio and building wealth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. <clears throat> Sounds like because of the simplicity that you talked about in regard to the REIT, um, that makes it especially very liquid. 
just as liquid as a stock, I guess, right? Correct. Same type of liquidity if you own shares of Tesla or Amazon, NVIDIA, Mm -hmm. same (laughs) type of liquidity. Okay. So you really can't generalize about the liquidity of real estate investments. It depends upon what kind of investment it is. And if it's a if it's your own rental property that you're managing yourself, then it's not going to be real liquid. That's although, correct. Although these days you could probably sell in about three days, right? Yes. <laughs> Residential properties, absolutely. In not the, quite in the, as in, liquid. Right. That's correct. <laughs> okay. What about volatility? Real estate in general, is it... Does it tend to be more volatile than stocks? Well, what's really interesting about real estate, a lot of people have the tendency to believe that real estate is a riskier investment. And it may create a lot of fear in investors saying, I want to shy away from real estate. And I think if we look at maybe just back to the 2008-2009 period where we saw a significant decrease in prices and we were in the the great recession and so people were saying hey I don't think I really want to be involved with real estate however real estate provides a significant amount of diversification to a traditional stock and bond portfolio it's counterintuitive we kind of mentioned this before in previous podcast is that it actually increases the overall rate of return and lessens the overall risk in the portfolio Hmm. when you just add just 10% of your overall portfolio allocation to real estate. So So the volatility, correct, it's just, yeah. And that's the beauty is that it provides that diversification and tamps down the volatility overall to the portfolio. And if you look at individual stocks, for example, that's going to be more volatile than if you were to buy a group or a mutual fund Mm -hmm. of stocks or bonds. Okay. Yeah. Good point. So what about taxes? Um, You have tax, frequently have a tax benefit with investment in real estate, correct? Correct. Correct. So owning it outright, you have the best opportunity for tax advantages. Whereas if it's in a real estate investment trust, you don't have the same types of benefit. And what I mean by that specifically is the depreciation and interest and any kind of management fees that are associated with owning an individual piece of property that you actually outright own and renting. So this is different from your home per se you get to take advantage of those benefits. Whereas with a real estate investment trust, at least 90% of the income that comes into the real estate investment trust has to be distributed and it's actually ordinary income. Mm -hmm. So because of the depreciation on the other side, if you own it outright or, or purchasing it outright, you're able to benefit from the depreciation, the interest deduction mm-hmm. from the mortgage, for example, and the management. So, and then you also have the preferential treatment of the capital gains uh, rate, which could be as high as 20%, whereas if it's in a real estate investment trust, it's going to be at your highest tax bracket, which, which could be as much as 39%. Oh. So it's a, it's a significant difference. But the ease of operation with the real estate investment trust, the diversification overall, um, is, is really what we're trying to do with the real estate investment trust. Okay. You mentioned mortgages. 
and the mortgage rate right now is, a, I think it's climbed to about 4%, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about how interest rates are affecting real estate um, investments? And, and, and does as the interest rates climb, does that make the, the real estate investment more or less attractive? I would say more attractive. Okay. And the reason being is that you're able to take advantage of increased rents. Uh, inflation c- plays a part in it. But what we've been experiencing over the last decade or so are lower interest rate environment. And as a result, everyone's looking for ways of increasing yield. And real estate provides an excellent way of getting a rate of return because what happens is every month with um, with real estate investment trusts or on a quarterly monthly or quarterly basis you're going to get a distribution which in turn translates into anywhere from four to maybe seven percent mm-hmm. as far as distribution okay. so when I talked about earlier the 40 percent that would include the distribution as well as the appreciation in, in the real estate industry last year. Mm-hmm. with And I'm talking about real estate investment trust. Okay. Um, let's say I want to invest in real estate via a rental property. Um, I'm going to have to take out a loan to buy it. And I'm going to use the, the, the rental income to help pay off that loan, obviously. Correct. Um, As the interest rates go up, the loan becomes more expensive and it becomes harder for me to invest in in real estate. But it sounds like what you're telling me is I should find a way to bite the bullet because the value of that home uh, probably is going to increase and cover that extra interest that I'm going to have to pay. That's that's correct. But in general terms, if you're an individual investor, your long-term mortgage on that property is probably going to be fixed. So that actually is an advantage because that's a fixed cost. You know what that's going to be. Plus the opportunity of being able to take advantage of increased rents. So yes, absolutely, it would be an ideal way to invest on an individual basis. Okay, we, you were talking earlier about taxes and the tax benefits involved in real estate. Um, <clears throat> is it a good idea or a bad idea to have real estate in an IRA? And is that even possible? Okay. I, I assume it is with a REIT, right? We work with our clients specifically on owning real estate inside retirement accounts, particularly IRAs. Hmm. And with a self-directed IRA, it allows you to actually own real estate. That individual single-family home or the condo or the fourplex could be owned in a retirement account, an individual retirement account or IRA. So that's so, even, so you get even more tax benefit. Correct. Correct. It's, it's, the beauty is that you've got an appreciating asset and in IRAs or even with a Roth IRA, you would have tax deferred 
uh, income. So you're not taxed on that until you actually take the distribution. And if it's in a Roth IRA, which is tax-free, that, that uh, appreciation in the income that would come out when you're ready to retire would be tax-free. So yes, we, we work with our clients specifically on um, helping them place the real estate in an IRA. And of course, um, we, we're not real estate brokers, uh, but we can direct them to a custodian that will actually hold that real estate in their uh, individual account. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, real estate's really expensive in the Denver market right now. Correct. Actually, it's, it's gone up nationally. Mm-hmm. It's just particularly expensive in Denver. Um, and I hear about the possibility of a real estate bubble. And of course, we had a bubble burst back in 2008, right? Correct. I'm thinking, are we about to have another bubble bursting here? What do you think? I don't believe so. And the reason why it gets back to the supply and demand. And we were in a different environment uh, back in the 2000s where it was very, very easy to obtain real estate. And in fact, if you could fog a mirror, you could get a mortgage to buy a Mm -hmm. piece of real Mm -hmm. estate. Yeah. That has changed considerably after the Great Recession, after, yeah, so basically it's a different environment than what we were looking at. We had So greater regulation? Greater regulation? More regulation, place? more mm-hmm. regulation in place, and it's also, it needs to make financial sense as far as the lenders are concerned, who they're lending their money to. So... As a result, it's uh, tightened up uh, the uh, the ability to be able to purchase a property, and you've got a, a higher guidelines than what it was um, 12, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you think there's more protection? There's definitely more protection. Yes, yes. Okay. Um what about management companies? Does that make sense? What do you What do you know about? Again, I'm getting obviously. I'm talking about me going out and just buying a rental property. Correct. Um, and, and I know you you prefer the REITs, Correct. right? Correct. But if I'm interested in a rental property and I want to get a management company to do all of that work for me, do you know enough about it to talk about how? much sense that makes? Yes, I believe the management company is a great way to go. And the reason being is just ease of operation. So you have a professional that's representing you, collecting the rent, making sure the repairs are done. Any issues associated with the property are going to be handled by the management company. And you as the owner just have to make decisions on and set parameters for the management company. You have the same situation with a real estate investment trust in that it's professionals Mm -hmm. that do this on an ongoing basis, just like it would be on an individual, but on a larger scale, because we're talking about institutional quality real estate. Um, And so, yes, management companies are essential. I think what happens is a lot of times people will say, well, this is an additional cost and I don't want to incur those costs right. as a result of the management company. But in the long run, it 
pays off because you're getting professional management, and that's what they do. <clears throat> do you know typically how much a management? Yeah, generally, might? yes, absolutely. Generally, um, I've seen as low as seven percent to ten percent of the actual rents that mm-hmm. are collected is what they uh, charge. They may have an initial startup, uh, but uh, that's generally what you're looking at is about seven to ten percent as far as your management fee. Okay, so if you've got a management company, if you've got a higher interest rate than you had expected, and you've got expenses. Um, you could end up with a negative cash flow. Correct. Correct. Um, and I, with a management company, they'll work with you in regards to knowing exactly what the expenses to run the property. That would be the mortgage payments, the insurance that's associated with it, the upkeep, and figure out, does it really make sense uh, to uh, rent the property out, including their fee? So that's what they, they get paid to, to do for you. And I believe that that's probably the easiest way to get involved with real estate. But if you're a hands-on person where you want to pick up the phone in the middle of the night where maybe there's an issue with the toilet or the garage door or maybe the dishwasher goes out or the refrigerator. So all of those headaches go away with the management company. Whereas if you're maybe just starting out and you're thinking, well, you know, I want to be a little bit more involved with those decisions. Um, that's that's what you're facing. So the management company takes away a lot of the headaches, or completely all the headaches, except for you know you deciding that okay, well mm-hmm. the you know net uh, uh, amount that goes into the account after you paid your mortgage and that the rest of it is profit. Okay, um, I think probably beginner investors are probably a little more uh, intimidated by the idea of a negative cash flow. Is, is that probably what you find? And it's, it's a little hard to project and go, okay, but I've got this appreciation down the line and that's going to cover it. And it's got, yeah. There are books that are, there are resources that are available to help you understand that um, with the negative cash flow. But what we're seeing uh, with many properties, depending on how much the down payment is and the mortgage, people do have a positive uh, cash flow. So, mm-hmm. but it's not like it was maybe in the 70s and the 80s where they, um, there was you know, higher interest rates, which caused the, um, the net amount that you received to be a, a negative uh, cash flow. Okay. Um, all the uh, real estate investment opportunities you've discussed, I don't think you mentioned timeshares. <laughs> do you well, have an opinion on I do timeshares as an investment? Yeah, I don't think uh, timeshares are considered okay. an investment. All right. Thank guess, you. That was okay. I guess I screwed, up the, I screwed that one <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, that's more of a luxury <laughs> item. That's more. I thought it was going to make a lot of travel related. Share. It's not considered a real estate investment All right. in my book. Okay. So we're starting to run out of time here. I want to leave time for the investment tip of the month. Um, I wanted to introduce one other uh, topic uh, that really gets complicated and I'm hoping you can run through it real quickly and and, and as simply as possible. It's the 1031 exchange. Great. (laughs) Well, I really believe that this is probably one of the best vehicles in terms of tax advantages. It's you're just deferring the 
profitability after you've sold a piece of property and you're rolling it over into another like kind. So a 1031 is a like kind exchange. You don't eliminate the taxes, you're just deferring it. You're kicking the tax obligation to a future date. And so it really maybe allows you to go from a single family residence that you're buying as an investment and maybe going into a duplex or a fourplex, which is going to be more expensive than uh, an Mm -hmm. individual single family house. So that's the advantage of a 1031 or a tax deferred exchange. And does a 1031 apply to pretty much any real estate transaction? Well, the beauty is that it can be a individual or a single family home into a duplex. There's no issue there. In fact, you could roll uh, the actual equity that you receive from the sale of a single family house into energy. So maybe we'll talk about that at our next. <laughs> oh man, that sounds really our next uh, podcast. <laughs> but it's and the reason being, it's like kind. So it has to be like kind exchange. Ten thirty one is that the real estate is above ground for you know mm-hmm. we talk mm-hmm. about residential. Sure. Whereas if it's energy, the resources like or the oil. asset, yeah, oil, it's natural gas would be under the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's still considered real estate. Mm-hmm. So the ten thirty one is a wonderful, wonderful uh, way to. Uh, defer your taxes, and actually increase your wealth overall. Okay. Um, Thanks for that simple explanation of a 1031. (laughs) Uh, If anybody has any questions about a 1031 or any of this other stuff and they want to call you, what number should they use? They should call me at 303-228-3160. Okay, great. Um, Last thing, investment tip of the month. Well, the, it's really a, a concept, and what I wanted to do was talk a little bit about an estate planning concept, and it just really has to do with beneficiaries, and just making sure that you've checked your beneficiary designations for your life insurance or your retirement accounts, that could be a, a IRA or 401k, any type of retirement account Um, And the reason why that's important is maybe when you first established those accounts, even if it's a life insurance policy, life happens, changes happen in our lives, and you want to make sure that those proceeds go go to the intended party that you would like. So I would encourage people to review their beneficiary designation. And of course, um, because we've talked about real estate in this podcast, this was our topic today, I really believe that in order to diversify portfolio, you need to add real estate in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a good tip. And yeah, so as far as checking your beneficiaries, uh, obviously if you have kind of a life-changing event, like like what? Divorce? A divorce? A divorce, Um, if there's a death uh, in the family. A birth. A birth could be, but generally speaking, you wouldn't want to designate a newborn in a uh, life insurance policy or retirement account because they wouldn't really be entitled to the assets until they are of majority or of age is another way of putting it. Mm -hmm. So 
um, unless you want to designate a trust, uh, which would act on your behalf to make sure that that younger person would uh, benefit from those assets. But um, yeah, any kind of life change, job change situation, because you're maybe getting a, a new 401k or you're rolling money over into an IRA, that's one of the reasons why it would be beneficial okay. to review your beneficiary designations. Okay. Uh, so on average, I imagine it wouldn't hurt to look at your beneficiaries on those accounts every couple of years at least. Annually is really probably the mm. best. And the reason being is just it's just one of the things that you do as far as reviewing your accounts. And you you know exactly who your beneficiaries are, who mm. your who you really want to receive your assets in the uh, event of your demise. Mm, okay. Do you help your clients with that sort of? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, great. Well, okay. So now we know that real estate is a great uh, diversity to your portfolio, that it's non-correlated typically. Uh, we know all the different ways that you can in, uh, invest in real estate now. Um, so. Go ahead and get out there and invest in real estate if you've got the money. Uh, typically, it goes up, right? It historically, historically, has gone, yeah. historically, it yeah. has gone up. And like I mentioned, it does go down as well. But if you're looking at long-term investing, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio and, and, and build wealth. And you're all about the long-term investing. Yes. Yep. And we know that. Okay. Well, as I said, yeah, yeah this has been a pleasure. I really enjoyed doing this Grand Turbo Money Cast with you, Gregory, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Well, thank you again, Steve, and I also want to thank our engineer, Stephanie. Thanks, Stephanie. You've been listening to Grand Turbo Money Cast, where we discuss some of the most important investment issues affecting your portfolio. Check back regularly for future editions of Grand Turbo Money Cast, and for more information, go to grandersonwealth.com. Have a good day and a grand portfolio.